Hi, I'm Teresa, owner of T3Fit, and you're listening to the T3Fit podcast, where scoliosis warriors and professionals come together. Here we talk about our scoliosis journeys and the emotional components it takes on from being a parent to being diagnosed with scoliosis and sometimes leading to surgery. It's a place where professionals share their expertise of treatments, from physical therapy to surgery, and so much more. So let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the T3Fit Scoliosis Podcast. This is Teresa, your host. And today on the show, we have Faye Viviana, a former ABT professional dancer. Faye, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, Would you share with us your story of being diagnosed with scoliosis to your current life and being, and what it was like for you as a professional dancer with scoliosis. Sure. Um, so I was first diagnosed when I was eight years old. Um, and I had one C curve that was mild. It was like 17 degrees or something when they first found it. And then I had, um, they just waited until it got a little worse because I was so young. And I got a brace when I was like nine and a half, 10. Um, Because it had passed, I think, 25 degrees, and that's sort of the threshold. So then after getting the brace, um, I developed an S-curve sort of above where the brace could push. Um, So I basically then had an S-curve for the rest of my life. Um, And I wore a brace until I was 16. Um, I was actually living in New York at 15 and under contract at 16. So uh, I started wearing the brace only at night by the time I was around 16 because I had a really hard time commuting on the subway with it. That was like my least favorite thing. So I just said, you know, I I had to dance all day anyway. You know, I'm not going to wear it all day anyway. So I might as well just wear it at night, mm-hmm. um, which I actually found very difficult because uh, it was not consistent being only at night and so you actually had a lot more aches and pains because your body's having to shift back and forth a lot more than before mm-hmm. um but yeah uh, up until then I basically wore my brace 23 hours a day um other than exercise and swimming and showering and stuff um which is why I danced so much because I didn't want to wear it so I took every dance class I could and then I ended up becoming a ballet dancer the yeah. great escape yeah, I was doing like 25 hours a week at like nine and a half because I was like, okay, if this is what I'm allowed to do, then let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I loved dancing, but it, it was, it's just a funny, I always look back and go like, interesting, interesting choice. Um, and then I was told I needed to have surgery at 16. My curves had progressed to, I think my biggest curve I now had four actually by the point by the time I was 16 I had four because I had the two sort of main curves the the large first one the s curve that developed as a child and then I had two compensatory curves above and below that okay so I now had one in my lumbar sort of going into my hips and one in my neck um and so they said look you have to get at least the big two corrected 
um, because I think they were at 48, I think, degrees was the biggest one at the bottom. And then um, the top one was getting close to 40. And they just basically said, look, you, you can't, you know, my body looked centered because they were almost the same size, but okay. they just said, you can't keep going like this because it'll only get worse um, because of gravity, etc." I said no, <laughs> because I wanted to keep dancing. I, had, I was in my first year of a contract with American Ballet Theater Studio Company. And I said, absolutely not. You're not taking this away from me. So I said no. And then I proceeded to never go back to a doctor, um, which wasn't necessarily the right move either. I just didn't know how else to respond. They said so many scary things to me in an attempt to get me to do the surgery that I kind of just freaked out. I went, no. <laughs> and then just kind of lived my life as though I had nothing wrong with me, which worked for a while because I was young. Um, but I blew my knee out at 17. And so I went from, you know, all this physical exercise every single day as a professional ballet dancer to like laying on my back for six hours a day with my leg in a machine to like heal from this insane surgery I had to have. So all of a sudden, my body just had no more muscle tone. It had no more strength. You know, I was holding up these giant curves because I was really fit. Mm -hmm. And when I lost all that muscle tone, not only was I like in so much more pain, but I couldn't really hold my curves anymore. So um, I went through all of the rehab. I was probably rehabbing from my knee a total of about four years um, just because it took a really long time to find out that I couldn't dance anymore from the knee surgery. Okay. And so that was kind of its own physical trauma that affected my spine. Like, so when yeah. you, sorry, when you talk about the pain that you were in, was that pain from your knee or was that pain from your spine? And when you were dancing, were, were you in pain with your spine? Yeah. Um, so when I was dancing, I wasn't in pain from my spine at first. And then when I started only wearing my brace at night is when I started getting more and more discomfort because I was moving my back back and forth. Um, basically, I was in one position when I slept and another position when I stood. And that was actually causing a lot of swelling and stuff. Okay. So I remember right before my injury, I was being very overworked um, by the particular artistic director of studio company at that time. And um, so I was very under-rested, under-nutriented. <laughs> I was overworked, I was exhausted. And I remember my back getting probably the worst it's ever been. So you could really see my like ribs sticking out okay. the back. My waist got so compressed. And sometimes I would land from a jump and I would like go blind for like a second. Cause I think it was yanking my like spinal cord really hard when I would have impact. So I remember calling the PT and uh, talking to her and saying, you know, I'm having like some serious issues with my back, but I was on tour at the time. So there was really nothing I could do until I got home. So the plan was as soon as I got home, we were going to start sort of daily physical therapy to manage what was going on. But I blew my knee out like two weeks before I would have started that. Okay. So I actually never got to start. And I think that that a lot, along with the trauma of the knee injury, actually really sort of pushed the trajectory of my curve forward because I then had all this other stress in my body I had to cope with um, and not moving or whatever. So to the second part of that question or the first part of that question, um, 
when I talked about the pain increasing, it was more just like, because I wasn't moving anymore. You know, I couldn't move anymore. Going on, a, it took me five months to walk without assistance. So, you know, crutches really messed up my back. And then not being able to like stretch and twist and my pelvis alignment got weird because one leg, I couldn't put weight on one leg. And okay. um, so it really did increase the discomfort of, you know, everything was very stiff and um, achy, I guess. Yeah. So, so when you were dancing because of all the mobility that you had, and then when you had to wear a brace at night, it was the confinement of the brace that kept the lack of mobility, which your body had was so used to that it almost compensated in trying to realign everything. And then it was just like, I'm going to use the word explosion of the body that was like, what are you doing? So both kind bit, of yeah. counteracted each other. I would imagine it would be similar to... <laughs> I mean, it's like you see those uh, old period pieces where they have like the really tight corsets and the girdles and you see the women come off and like, you know, like loosen and they can finally breathe. Like it's kind of the same thing, except it would happen to me in the morning. I would get the brace off to go to work. Mm -hmm. And then throughout the day, I would sort of like shift into a different position because my brace had a lot of like very thick pads that were doing these very hardcore corrections right Pushing so I was shoved into and... very specific position and mm -hmm. then as soon as I would wake up I was just sort of like let go of everything okay um and it wasn't necessarily always under muscle support muscular support okay so you know when I was dancing I would have muscular support um but when I was sleeping or when I was just walking around I didn't and and so there was this weird shift that kept happening and I think it was actually the the it was almost like when you slip a disc like the going back and forth was mm -hmm. actually what was causing all the discomfort and the swelling um it almost looked like I had sprained one of my vertebrae like sort of at the very bottom of my biggest curve because it okay. was going from like tilted to less tilted tilted okay. to less tilted okay every day and when you, when you talked about therapy though it never happened when you were with ABT um was, do you know if it was, I'm going to say in air quotes, a general physical therapist, or was it a specialist who was specifically for scoliosis? It would have been general physical therapy. Okay. I mean, they're very specialized with working with dancers. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm sure she would have gone out. I mean, she's excellent. She still works there, I believe. Um, I'm sure she would have gone out and researched specific exercises for scoliosis and then taught them to me. Okay. But as far as like the type of therapist, she's a general. Okay. Okay. Are there in your, in your experience, in your, in your experience of being a dancer and being surrounded by dancers, have you come across a lot of um, male and mo mostly female, because we know that scoliosis targets females, but have you come across a lot of dancers who have scoliosis or who are fused I have never met a dancer a professional dancer who was fused okay and actually still dancing okay so I've met athletes who've had fusions I've met people who danced through college and then had surgery and then but most of the time they didn't continue dancing the after their fusion it was too extreme and they 
they just had other things they had to deal with first. And then dancing just became, it's one of those things that when you haven't done it for so long, it gets very, very difficult to come back to. So I feel like just the nature of dance and then the nature of recovering from a surgery that massive okay. is kind of hard. But I did meet, um, so there was a show I did, um, I think I was 15 and it was at the Guggenheim and Wendy Whalen was one of the artists as well. So we were all on stage warming up and she walked over to me and she went, I have that rib. And she pointed at my left rib and I was like, oh my God, yay, we knew. We had like matching rotation, you know? And we had this like bonding moment of like, look at us little, yeah, you know, it's, it's, crooked it's... queens over here. Um, <laughs> it was great. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I grew up watching her on videos and knowing that she had it. Um, and then there's a couple other pretty famous dancers that have scoliosis that, you know, are known to have it. Okay. Um, and I would watch them, you know, on VHS growing up. So I knew that, you know, they existed and I saw yeah. that their back was a little crooked and I knew it was that you could do, you could dance. Um, I wish I had known more about how effective specific scoliosis treatment could be because I think I would have been more about finding out those answers like I remember my parents took me uh when I was nine it was like right before I got the brace they were hoping I wouldn't have to get a brace my parents okay. they took me to a guy named Dr. John Claude West out okay. in like um Marin County kind of like okay. North Cal okay. and he had created these um it was all based off of like Pilates sort of movement, mm -hmm. but he had these two discs. So, you know, like the little rotating discs you see in like gyrotonics and Pilates. Mm -hmm. He had custom built these sort of boards you laid on where there was a smaller sort of thoracic disc. And then there was a lower sort of lumbar hip disc and they were independently rotating of each other. And so he would do these like exercises to sort of like spiral your spine. It was really interesting kind of mobility work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I remember getting these like exercises from him and I was supposed to like push against the curve and work on this stuff, but I was nine and I really didn't like looking at my back every day. And I would say that was the number one barrier to me doing more of that kind of stuff was that I actually just hated facing it. I hated looking in the mirror and having to like stand there and try to fix what was wrong with me. Like that mentally was just so, I had so much resistance to that. Um, so I did Feldenkrais, which was probably one of the most effective alternative therapies as far as like the fastest in the moment results. Like okay. there were days where I went to like a, a private Feldenkrais session and I would be like an inch taller at the end. Like we would measure that it was like insane change, but it wasn't muscularly supported. So it wouldn't stick. It's a little bit like chiropractor. Like you can see these great results. And then two days later, you're like, ah, oh, whatever, right. <laughs> you know? And with, with all of your experience, except with uh, being in New York, when you were with ABT, everything, when you were diagnosed, that's you're based in California. So um, this... I was, uh, well, I grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. So okay. I was in New Mexico until I was 15. And then I was in New York. Now I'm okay. in Okay. Yeah. And so when you, at the time when you were with ABT and you had the brace and you were diagnosed and everybody was like, you need surgery, you were just on, I mean, you were with, you were with the company and you were on your own. I lived on my own, right. My parents still lived in New Mexico. Um, I lived on my own actually since I moved. So Three days after I turned 15, I was New York City on my own. Okay. Uh, 
but I was with the company. So it was kind of like, I had a place to go every day and people who knew if I was alive. And I lived with two other dancers in okay. housing that the company sort of arranged. Okay. So there was, you know, it had, it was a doorman building and it was pretty safe, I think. Um, you had as far as that community. goes, but yeah, I, I did mm-hmm. not have friends with me. Yeah, okay. I was with all the other dancers. Okay. But um, as far as like that doctor visit, I was totally by myself. There was no guardian or parent. And and I'm I'm just going to dive into this. And you and I have spoken a little bit about this, but for people, because, you know, we often talk about scoliosis and it's so isolating. And just like, you know, the fact that you met, I'm so bad, uh, so bad with names. Wendy, Wendy. Wendy. Yes. The fact that you met her and you were yeah. like, and she was like, I know that curve, you know, it, the scoliosis is such an isolating event in our lives and to be, to not have your family, but to be around, you know, people who, who you, you all share the same passion, but nobody else is, is sharing your experience in your body. How did that feel? Um, I mean, I think when I was really young, you know, I was the kid with the back brace and the rolling backpack. And at one point I even had a wrist brace and a neck brace to go along with that. Um, I think they even threw in headgear for six months when I was 13, but, okay. um, you know, so I was kind of used to being the oddball out, but I kind of embraced it as a younger kid, you know, like before I really, it's like, I didn't have the awareness to be as embarrassed. I, I just was like, well, this is this is me. So, you know, if you have a problem with it, whatever. And then when I moved to New York and I was with older kids and I was with like adults and in New York city and it's, then I became a little more aware of like, I don't want to say that I was more ashamed of it, but I was much more aware of how it affected my clothes and how things fit me and that I was different. And, you know, with partnering, for example, I'd have some partners get very frustrated with me because my center was different than the other girls. Like, you know, partnering was frustrating for them because when, you know, they have to place their hands in very specific parts of your ribs or your mm-hmm. back or your leg and and I'd hit the same pose and my ribs weren't where they were supposed to be or my hips didn't sit the same way. Um, so that was a little bit more uh, disheartening because I really started to become aware of the like downside of it, yeah. that I was problematic in that way. Um, the costumers were always having to like, you know, all the hooks in the back of a ballet costume, my hooks would always travel to the right. And th- I'd always get put with some brand new costumer who had never, you know, fitted someone with scoliosis before. And they'd, they'd freak out because they thought the costume had a defect or something was wrong with the sewing. And I'd have to explain like, no, 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 no. Like I'm the crooked one. The sewing is fine. You didn't do anything wrong, you know. But there were certain times where it was very, very clear that it wasn't normal. And I often felt like I had to apologize because it, it was, it seemed to me at the time, at least horribly inconvenient for these other people's jobs, right? Mm-hmm. For my fellow dancers who had to partner me, for the costumers who, you know, are trying to make 50,000 costumes a year. And, you know, I, I'm the one kid that now has to have all these bizarre adjustments that they can never use on another person because nobody else right. has this, you know, so, things so like it- that. So it almost went outside of your world and like making you feel like it, your problem was other people's problems. Yes. Like I I definitely felt during those times that my back made other people's lives harder. 
I remember feeling very bad about that, that I was like this burden because I had this thing and I caused people to have to do extra all the time for me. And I felt not deserving of that extra attention. And so it was kind of this like guilty shame I carried about that. It's, it's so interesting because you're, you're, you're targeting things that, I mean, I, I was ballerina, you know, long, long time ago, and I never made it to where you are, uh, obviously. And, but you're pointing out so many factors that just never would occur. Me either until they happened, which is why I think I felt so like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> like I felt right. so bad about it because I, I felt like, oh my God, I was completely ignorant of the fact that this would be an issue, <laughs> you know? And then here I was having to explain to someone or, you know, or watch my partner have no problem with three other girls doing the same movement. And then I do it. And all of a sudden we're falling all over the place. I accidentally elbow him in the eye on stage and we're both upset after the show. And it's because my ribs are not in the same place. And it's like, oh God, all of that was my fault. Like that, that was a new thing for me. That was a new thing that you had to, that you had to take on emotionally. And, and how, how long has it been now since you have, since you've been with ABT? So I blew out my knee when I was 17. So that would have been, I think it was February 12th, 2007. So okay. it has been a long time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because I was, I'm 31 now. Yeah. Okay. And how, since you were diagnosed, from the time that you were diagnosed till the time that you danced with ABT until you stopped, how has life changed? You haven't had surgery. You were against it. Are, are you in, yeah. how is, how has life changed? Hey, the most change happened after stopping. So from the time I was diagnosed to the time I stopped dancing, I mean, it's so different looking back as an adult and understanding what was going on differently versus what I experienced as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, because I was so young when I was diagnosed. And I remember even when I got my back brace, my parents cried on the car ride home. And I didn't because I didn't really like register. I was like, cool, I have body armor. Like, I'm still going to be like the cool kid on the playground. Like, it didn't dawn on me right. <laughs> that it would be something like negative. I was like, whatever. And then, of course, it hurt a lot. The brace was very uncomfortable. And I think I started actually having some pretty serious mental health issues around 10 and a half, uh, 11, um, because I was basically in chronic pain from the brace. Okay. So that I would say was the largest negative as a kid okay. from the diagnosis to the dancing was that my mental health was a wreck because I had some very strange, basically what I think are chronic pain reactions, Um, but I didn't know that's what they were. Um, So I had some sort of um, kind of like self-harming depression, basically. Like I I was really hard on myself and uh, very, very low self-esteem. Like I I really thought, and I didn't connect any of this to my back at the time. This is something I look back and go like, oh, clear as day that's what was going on with me. Right. But, you know, at the time being 10 years old, 
I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't dawn on me that it was caught. Um, but, you know, I remember I'd have like, uh, I guess at this point they would call them like suicidal ideations, but it was more that I fantasized about horrible accidents happening that would fix my back. So I would imagine I was in a horrible car accident and that the injuries would just so happen to fix my back. Or I would get shot in a mall, crazy, you know, there's all these horrible mass shootings. I would imagine I was part of one and that the bullet would push my rib just the right, you know, like these weird kind of crazy, every scenario was like a violent thing. And yet it would like, it would make you better. Yeah, make you better. I would heal that stopped because it turns out that when you hurt yourself bad enough, there's actually like a part of your brain that switches into survival mode, like enough trauma physically. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I have to live through this switch goes off. And my knee injury was actually bad enough. I had quite a lot of like internal bleeding and nerve tears and cartilage tears, tendon tears. And so um, it was traumatic enough to actually flip that switch. And so all of that stuff kind of stopped cold Turkey because my brain chemicals basically flew into survival mode after my knee injury. So I haven't had that kind of stuff happen to me again, but I definitely look back and go, it had to be the discomfort I was constantly in, in the brace. Um, One of my braces in particular was so tight. And I remember when I got fitted for that particular one, I think it's the one I had when I was 11. How many braces Um, did you have? I basically had, I think I had six. I had one pretty much every year okay. because you grow and you have to get a new one. Okay. Um, and so I remember the one I had when I was 11, they considered it to be the best, the most accessible brace because when I was in it, my, it was the most correction I had ever achieved. So it was unbelievably painful, but in the brace, my curves were down to 11, seven degrees. Okay. And so they considered it like, oh, she, she wouldn't even be diagnosable anymore. Like she's, she's right at the threshold of correct. Right. Right. Okay. But every time I would take a deep breath, my front rib in the left side would dislocate and come back. And so I had this huge bruised swelling of this like front rib joint, um, that was excruciatingly painful. And the, and the pads left these huge calluses all over my ribs. Um, I mean, braces have come a long way. I've seen some of the newer ones now and it's, they're so much more logical and the materials are so much better. And I'm so, so thankful to see that because I would never want to put a child through, but my, this one brace for male, you know, I just remember it hurting so bad. And like the first night I slept in it, I woke up and I could not figure out how to get out of bed because I felt so like crushed that I, I couldn't like sit up. Like I couldn't figure out how to move forward. And I, I just had to like call my mom and have like help me out, um, help me out of bed. And so I, I remember that and I go like, yeah, like if you're in that much pain every single day as a child, like you will come up with some pretty freaky ways of thinking that you're going to get out of it, you know, that you're going to make the pain stop. Yeah. Um, and so that would be, I mean, I know that's a very, and say that I, I look back and I recognize that my mental health at the time was very negatively affected by the type of treatment I was getting. And I did a lot of alternative therapies at the time, like um, 
Feldenkrais and gyrotonics and mm -hmm. yoga and Pilates and all of that stuff definitely helped me manage the pain. Acupuncture, if I ever had anything super acute. Okay. Um, and I started doing all that stuff because of dance too. You know, like they, all of that. Yeah, so I, I have no idea where it cut off, off but, um, and I know that that's a very dark, I don't want to freak people out with that, but I just remember, I remember that. And I thought that it was just, something I struggled with separately, but I look back now and I can correlate the timeline of, of the onset of all of that stuff with this specific, you know, discomfort that I was living with 24 seven, basically. Okay. And then um, after my injury, all that stopped. So all these alternative therapies really helped me manage the pain. So definitely, you know, and it wasn't like I was some horribly miserable child. Like, you know, I, I had friends and I laughed and I danced and I had fun and whatever, but I also remember struggling very much with this kind of bizarre issue okay. um, and hiding it from everyone. And it was, I think, 100% related to my back. And you so that's the biggest. And with your scoliosis when you were younger, you didn't know anybody else that had had it when you were originally diagnosed. So I met, I met a couple people who had it um, because the other therapies I would go to introduced me to a couple other people, but they okay. were none of them were my age. Um, I was so young. I realize now that I was much younger than average in okay. being diagnosed. Most girls are diagnosed between like 12 and 15 and I was eight. So like, it was very different. Um, I did meet a couple people who were like 17 and they just had the surgery mm -hmm. in my like Pilates class or, um, things like that. Uh, and then later I had a couple people I grew up with who I knew had the surgery, but theirs all came at like 13 or 14, very okay. suddenly, almost overnight, they had like massive curves and the doctors were so worried about the onset, like the speed with which the curves occurred. And so they had surgery really fast. Um, okay. So there were a couple of kids I grew up with who I, I knew that, but I didn't really have like other people that in my immediate circle who, who had it. Okay. And, and now, so now you haven't been dancing and you had this whole other situation with your knee blowing out yeah. and, and now life is, I mean, how, how does movement feel now? Are, aside from your knee, how does your back feel with movement? Are, and are you able to, to accommodate yeah. that with, with what limitations you have? Sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. So, well, that's been kind of its own separate journey. That's why I was saying, um, once I actually found out I would not be able to dance again, I started, I got certified to teach ballet, um, Chiquetti method. And so I, I took all my life. And so during all that, I was training really hard and I didn't really notice too much with my back because I was very focused on my knee. Um, and I started having like weird like numbness in my arms or you know if I did something for too long I'd get up and be like oh god I can't sit like that you know mm -hmm. I, I started noticing these things but it was hard to tell if that was just like because I had been through a lot you know like my body I had asked my body to do a lot um and so I kind of continued to be in denial of having anything wrong with my back I just was like I gotta focus on my knee and that's that and I remember my parents um 
being like, are you sure that you're, you know, that your back is okay? <laughs> you know, like, are, are you sure you're like doing enough for your back? And will, you know, they're, they've always been so supportive of my scoliosis and trying to help me, you know, to, I, since I don't want to have the surgery, they've been so, so supportive of trying to help me keep that goal. Um, and, you know, do you want to try doing some hot yoga or do you want to try, you know, doing some other thing? And uh, we found this place that offers this thing and they're always like trying to help. Um, and I kept being like, ah, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then I moved to LA when I was 20 and I was teaching um, at a couple of different dance studios and, you know, initially it was fine. I was mostly thrilled that like my knee continued to heal. Um, and so I was really still focused on that. Okay. And, and very much in denial of the fact that like, I couldn't really dance anymore. You know, like I, I was kind of just coping with other things, mm -hmm. but over all those, all that time, my back was getting more crooked and more stiff. Um, and I was having more and more nerve issues and my like upper curve was creeping up. So this shoulder was like getting closer and closer to my okay. ear every day. And, um, you know, I started my acting career and it was like, oh, well, I have this thing that like shows on camera and now I have to try to like move it back. And half my auditions, I stood this way so that I couldn't tell. <laughs> like, I didn't want it. Like, you know, it was like, yeah. it, was, it was all aesthetic though, initially. And then when I was 24, um, I had made a short film that like went to festivals and I had danced in it um, and it did really well. And I remember I was in this like, corsety dress thing I, was, I felt so pretty that night and somebody took a picture with me and my friend and I saw the picture later and I just cried because my rib was so crooked and and I had felt so beautiful mm -hmm. and then I saw what my body looked like and I was like oh I have not been paying attention like my back is really bad and I've been ignoring it and now I'm in this very form-fitting dress and it's like hi rib cage okay. here we are you know it was really really apparent and I so I started going to a chiropractor because I was like, well, let me just see, maybe it was just a bad day. You know, I was still kind right. of like, oh, it can't be that bad. So I started going to a chiropractor um, and I found a guy who was willing to work with me like three times a week for a price I could afford because I didn't have a lot of money at the time. Um, so he was treating me for like, I don't even remember, like 20 or $40 a session. I mean, unbelievably cheap just to help me out. Cause he was like, look, scoliosis is kind of fascinating to me. I would love to help you. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for like a year and a half and it was getting things moving. You know, I okay. definitely, the nerve pain was starting to get better because things weren't getting pinched as much. And right. when they were, I was getting them fixed much faster. Um, but I started with all of that mobility, having more and more pain because these things are moving, but then they can also move back in a worse way. And okay. so it became like running joke that every time I'd clean my bathroom, I'd throw my back out because <laughs> I would like try to scrub my bathtub and then end up having to lie on the floor for five hours because I couldn't get up. And that started getting worse and worse and worse. And then I stopped teaching um, at dance school so much because my acting career was getting busier and the school I had been teaching at got sold. And so it was kind of this time for me to you know move on okay and I started working a desk job for a year and that really made everything worse because then I was sitting all day long and yeah. then you know and I wasn't moving all the time um so I just continued to lose mobility over time okay. so by the time I was 28 it was 2018 in May um I was I was a bridesmaid at my friend's wedding and I could barely walk for the ceremony like I 
was basically being propped up by my groomsmen. Um, it was very embarrassing for me because I felt like I was taking away attention from my friend who was the bride because everyone had to take care of me. Like I couldn't sit, I couldn't this, okay. I had to lay down. I was, I was just in so much pain so all the time. Um, and so that was really my wake up call of like, if this is this bad at 28, like what is 40 going to look like? <laughs> you know, like yeah. how am I going to look at 60? Like, can I move? And all those scary things that the doctor said to try to get me to have surgery which was that my lifespan would be 25 years shorter plus minus five years, that I would be in a wheelchair after 50, that I would not be able to have kids. All that stuff started to really come in as like, oh my God, was he right? Have okay. I been an idiot this time? And that's when I found the clinic in London, the scoliosis SOS. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I went for a full month and my mom went with me just to like have for some moral support. And I'm so glad she did because it's very intensive. It's six hours a day five days a week for four weeks solid. You are very, very sore. The entire first two weeks, you're like, I don't know if this is a good idea because it's so intense. Okay. And then after that, you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. The health benefits are insane. I mean, I feel like a completely, I feel 10 years younger now than I did three years ago. And it like was such a good reminder that you have strength. Yeah. I mean, I felt like, you know, if I look back three years, <laughs> just three years. It was just like nothing. But I look back and like, I was so fragile. I couldn't carry that. I couldn't do that. I'm so sorry. I can't help you carry that up the stairs. I can't do this up, up and downstairs. I can't use that kind of chair. I can't, I mean, it was like, it was like having a disability that like, nobody really knows what's wrong with you. And people, some people think you're making it up. And like, it was such a difficult thing to navigate all the time. And it was like, I spent my whole day managing my pain. And being like, okay, well, I have to do this thing later. So if I do this now, I won't be able to do both. So I have to pick one. And, you know, it was this constant thing. Whereas now, sure, I still have to manage some stuff. It's not like I am just free and clear and it never happens to me. Anymore. Right. But like, I can lay down and take a power nap after like an intense workout and I will wake up and I will feel okay. Because my body has like a baseline of support now, muscular yeah. support mobility support. Um, my breathing has improved dramatically. So when I do rest, I feel rested. I'd like to touch on something, just backtracking a little bit, um, because you were pursuing acting and you're now dancing. How was it pre going to uh, the UK? How was it there in pursuing acting? You know, in the acting world, once upon a time, it was like, if you had the wrong this, that was it, you no chance, right? And, and with having scoliosis, how you, you said that you were in a film and that you were able to dance, but how was it, like, did people look at, did you, did you notice that people looked at you differently because of your curves or were they just like, we like you for who you are, for, who, for your talent, because you can dance and we want you? Well, it depends. So I had really long hair for many years, so I could hide my shoulders. So as long as my shoulders were hidden, the only people who had to worry about my scoliosis was wardrobe. Okay. And I, again, it's one of those things I, I was constantly, like they'd have to buy things. Um, I remember one of my favorite things I've ever been dressed in. I was in this tiny little role on a show called Love for Netflix. So it was in like one episode. And they bought me this amazing like hunter green jumpsuit thing. And they had to buy it two sizes too big so that they could alter it to fit around my wrist in the back okay 
And I remember feeling really horrible about that because it was like they had bought the one that's my size and then they were like, nope. And then they bought one a size bigger and they were like, nope, still not enough fabric to cover the rib. And then they, they had to go out and get it like a third. I mean, it was just okay. such a thing, like this giant ordeal for them to dress like, oh, I shot for one day. It was like such a small little character. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad because again, it reminded me of the tutu ladies being like, oh, what's wrong with the hook? Like, oh, you know, right. And you know, I did an episode of SWAT and they had, they had me in like motorcycle motocross gear mm-hmm. and like those jackets have like the, the body armor in them for like, you get in a motorcycle accident and they had to take all the armor out because all the armor is super square. And so when they would zip it up, it would tilt over like, because it was, okay. <laughs> and okay. they were like, Oh God, we okay. can't like put you on screen like that. Right. You know? So there were things like that, but the reality is if, it, if they did notice it in the audition, they just wouldn't hire me probably. And I would never know if that was the reason why. Okay. The things that I really got my eyes opened to when I was at the clinic was just the amount of teenage girls who are struggling with their self-image because of their scoliosis. And I was like, I think going forward, if they're okay with it, I would rather it be my body so that there is a little crooked spine up there on the screen and it can still be beautiful. And maybe that's what people need to see more than me and my ego wanting some totally flawless version of myself up there. Um, It's actually something that I tell myself. So I struggle a lot with nerves, even though I've worked quite, quite a lot and I've auditioned for some really big things, but like, I always struggle with getting nervous. And when I'm really, really nervous for something, I actually say out loud to myself, I probably sound crazy, (laughs) but I actually say out loud that I am doing this for the kids with the crooked spines, it's much bigger than me. And then I walk into the room and I go. Um, You and I have spoken on Instagram and we have a mutual friend, but tell us, Faye, where people can find you on Instagram and on social media. Okay, Um, so my Instagram is F-Y-V-I-V-I. So it's like Faye Viviana, but you take out half of the vowels. Um, and, um, that's pretty much my handle everywhere. Um, I'm not really that active on Facebook anymore. I mean, I think a page exists, but I'm not really on it. So I would say Instagram is probably the best way to find me. Um, and let me think what else I'm putting together a documentary. So hopefully that will be, um, out on my social media platforms, more information about that as it develops. It's still in the very early stages. Okay. I'd like to say thank you for being a guest on the T3 Fit Scoliosis Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. If you like this episode, chances are there's someone else out there who needs to hear it too. So it would be a huge favor to me if you'd go ahead and give us a five-star review. It helps me get the message out to more people. And if you need help moving in pain, then download my five free tips and I'll catch you on the next episode.